We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, it's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. We've got a couple of big breaking news items to get to at the top. We'll talk to Chris about his rookie minicamp observations, both Trey Lance related and not Trey Lance related. And then the 49ers had more than 80 players show up for voluntary OTAs today. We will talk about what that means and then what we can look for during those voluntary OTAs. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. All right, Chris, we have two big news. I'm not even going to talk about beating the Heat off top because we have to get to these two news items. Yeah, it's a very pleasant 62 degrees as we it record is. this at 6 p.m. on uh, on Monday. So beating the Heat, probably not necessary today. I, I, I wore jeans today and was comfortable, so we're, okay. we're doing fine. Uh, I did have this asshole this morning park, like, the front probably – two and a half feet of their car in my driveway, Mm -hmm. which didn't bother me getting out. And my fiance, I was able to also back out of the driveway, but I just don't, it's the principle of parking your car, not like an asshole in front of somebody else's house. So somebody on Twitter made some comment that I should 
cry about that on the pod. So I did. Shout out to 49ers Bees or whatever their handle is. Anyways, big 49ers <laughs> news. Speaking of 49ers Bees, how about Brian Hoyer, former 49ers quarterback, has a new home back with the Patriots. Chris, your thoughts? Um, yeah, it's it, I'm going to have to revise my 2022 <laughs> mock drafts. After seeing this news. No, I, I have no idea. <laughs> does this, does this affect your 53 man roster projection? Yeah, it might. It might. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it was funny. Like I, I hope people understand when we sat down to record this pod and then the news broke and I wrote emergency pod upcoming. I hope people understand the, the humor that, that is trying to be attempted with that tweet and not taking it seriously. Like I, I hope people aren't like There's... refreshing the feed to download this pod. <laughs> I need to hear the Brian Hoyer takes. Um, yeah, good, good for Brian Hoyer. And good if you Brian are, Hoyer, shout get, out to you. Get, get in another bag. Uh, major bag alert yeah. as the Wendy's commercial says. No, I don't obviously have Brian Hoyer takes, but there's definitely like a subsection of this podcast that is just for the people who interact with us on Twitter. Yeah. Like that definitely happens. There's, it's like, it's like Patreon, but free. Yeah. Just go on to Twitter and follow some of the jokes. Yeah. And, and before, (laughs) I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to dive too much into the Brian Hoyer thing because I just got to see the structure. I don't like, so (laughs) (laughs) I know it's one year. But, you know, cap implications hey, and all that. Guaranteed, we, we all know the guaranteed money is what matters. So, right. we'll, we'll wait on that. And once the contract details come out, we will have another <laughs> emergency <laughs> Behoy pod. Yeah. Uh, actual, actual 49ers roster news that could actually impact a 53 man roster projection. Mark Easley, the former Jaguar second round pick. Signed a one-year deal with the Niners today. He was with the team during rookie minicamps on a tryout basis. He hasn't played since 2019. He was really good in his third and fourth years in the league. Got a four-year, $38 million contract from the Jags. Tore his ACL before the 2018 season. I think it was in the third preseason game. The following year, he played only six games, was unproductive, hurt his shoulder, and then was out. For the rest of that year, signed with the Patriots last year, uh, opted out of the season, and now he is with the 49ers. I think there's a legitimate chance, just looking at their roster, that Marquise Lee could make the team and carve out a role. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you just look at the 49ers receiving core right now, and there's not a lot of experience and not a lot of like just talent behind Debo Samuel and, and Brandon Ayuk. And it looks mm-hmm. like you're going to have nine guys competing for for three spots or eight guys competing for three spots. So I think Lee is definitely going to be in that mix. And he looked pretty good in uh in rookie minicamp and he was, you know, I think he was pretty pretty clearly the best receiver on the field. Juwan Jennings was out there. Um Austin Watkins, the undrafted rookie was out there. He struggled a little bit. Um but no, you you just look at you know, like Travis Benjamin, River Craycraft, Jalen Hurd, Richie James, Juwan Jennings, Muhammad Sanu, Trent Sherfield, Watkins, Kevin White. Like that's, you know, th- those, those aren't a lot of, uh, guys that you're just going to rubber stamp with roster spots, right? So I think Marquise Lee, if he can recapture some of that form he had earlier in his career, and obviously as a, as a high second round pick, um, just a pretty talented guy. So he's done it in the league. He started, 
um, or he's appeared in, I think, 59 games. So, um, you know, experienced guy and, and could definitely help. Uh, so I, you know, there's, there isn't really any risk in bringing in a guy like that, particularly when you, when you have so many question marks behind your first two or three receivers. So I'm with you. I, I think there's, there's definitely a chance that he could make the team. Um, there's a chance he does make the team, but I, I, you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting signing just given the fact he has been productive in the league. He was good enough to get that four year, $38 million contract, um, in 2018. He got the contract in March of 2018 and then tore his ACL. Um, in August brutal of that same year. So a pretty brutal development for him. Um, still just 29 years old. So he's, he, he's got some, got some stuff left in the tank for sure. And, uh, definitely somebody who could, who could win a roster spot coming out of training camp. Is he worse than Travis Benjamin? Well, I haven't seen Travis Benjamin, um, since he opted out last year. Let and me, we haven't, let we me haven't, rephrase. Yeah. Would it be a surprise if he made the roster over Travis Benjamin? No. Right. And that's, Honestly, that's, there, there's no, like, there's no, there are going to be no scenarios behind the top two guys with their Niners receivers that would surprise me. Yeah, same. Like, the, the thing I think that would surprise me is if Trent Sherfield doesn't make it because he's good on special teams. Right, like I think Sherfield could definitely be right. the the fifth or sixth guy just because of his work as a gunner. But at the same time, like I said, like you know, no idea what to expect from Jalen Hurd, no idea what to expect from Travis Benjamin. Um, I think we have a pretty good idea of what River Craycraft is. Uh, Richie James, we know pretty well. He's probably going to make it, but again, you can't really said any of this stuff in stone. Mohamed Sanu, older, didn't really stick last year. You wonder if the ankle issues were still persisting. Um, Watkins is a question mark. Kevin White, you know, it's impossible to, to say anything with certainty about him either. So um, Jawan Jennings, kind of interesting. Uh, hamstring issues last year probably would have played if healthy. So I think there's a reasonable chance he makes it. Is there overlap with him and Jalen Hurd if both are healthy? Like there's... You know, it, there's, I think it's the, the back end of the receiving depth chart, just in terms of, you know, 53 man roster come week one mm-hmm. is probably the most up for grabs on the entire roster. I would think I'm so, with you. there's, there's no combination of players you could name that I would be like, no chance. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's why, that's why it was a little bit surprising that they didn't draft a receiver. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if after June 1st, the Julio Jones talks heat up a little bit. And it wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers were in that mix, right? Oh. Because you could see them, and this isn't, this is just pure speculation on, on my You're part, not reporting this. I'm not reporting the Niners are going to be interested in Julio Jones, but I'm guessing they probably would be if the price is right. If it's something, you know, if it, because not drafting a receiver, puts them in a similar position they were in in 2019 when they needed a receiver midway through the season, right? Right. When it was clear Dante Pettis was not going to be somebody they could count on. Um, Trent Taylor wasn't healthy at all. So it was, it was very clear they needed another receiver. I think just sort of looking at it right now going into the season, it, it's kind of, they're kind of in a similar boat, although they do have Brandon Ayuk now, um, who's a significant upgrade, obviously, over, over Dante Pettis. But, you know, you, you look at this team and you say, all right, well, if they're missing, one of the things they're missing probably is a third wide receiver. So if, if it did end up being Julio Jones, that wouldn't entirely shock me because 
it would be very similar to the Emmanuel Sanders trade. Julio Jones, obviously a much better player, would probably cost significantly more in a trade. But if I don't think it's going to be for a first round pick. It might be for a second and a uh, a second and a fourth or a second and a third, maybe similar to the Trent Williams trade. Um, so I could see something like that happening, just based on what the receiving core looks like right now. Um, do I, you know, so I, I think they're going to be in the mix. Absolutely. But I don't know what the likelihood is. Um, we'll, we'll see if sure. Kyle Shanahan feels like he has a Super Bowl type team because that's ultimately what spurred Kyle Shanahan to make the Emmanuel Sanders trade was, you know, midway through that season. He came out and said it after the fact. He was like, I thought we had the best team in the NFL. And so, you know, we needed to just get that receiver to just sort of put us, put, put the offense over the top. Um, and it worked to a certain extent, but, um, yeah, I just, I think there are some similarities there just in terms of the composition of the receiving core going into this season and the potential to add somebody. But Marquise Lee, definitely interesting given that there's so many question marks behind the top two guys. So Marquise Lee made the team in part, uh, while catching passes from Trey Lance at rookie minicamp. Let's start there. The 49ers had a two day rookie minicamp Friday and Saturday last week. It was, I think, 27 players, I think was the was the number I saw. I Not have a, the roster in front of me. I could count if you want. Okay, Not, you do that while I vamp. So it wasn't a ton of players. It's not It's not like there was 40 or 50 guys out there. It was the, the team drills were seven on seven, and there wasn't even a defensive line or a pass rush. So Trey Lance is going to make or break the 49ers next I was going to say draft class, but it's like, no, it's going to break, make or break their next five, eight, ten years. Yeah. So he's going to, he's going to be the focus. What were, and again, it's rookie mini camp with no pass rush. So we can't really make any, I'm, I'm not asking you to make any conclusions, but just what did you observe? From yeah. Trailing? So and also the, the, if you have that number of players that were there, it's 23. Um, they had they had exactly zero defensive linemen so like you said there was no pass rush there were no offensive linemen on the field for team drills he took snaps under center quote unquote and from shotgun but it was a uh, it was an equipment staffer giving him the snaps Mm. um so it wasn't you know it, it was very much not real football but it was you know like so I wasn't there for AJ Jenkins, but you talk to the other guys on the beat who were, and they they'll tell you that AJ Jenkins was a bust from the very jump, right? Like the very first time AJ Jenkins was on the practice field for, uh, I don't remember if it was like a regular practice or mini camp, but it was like, oh, this guy can't stay on his feet. He's not going to be any good, and that obviously played out, and AJ Jenkins was not a good pro. Um, so. When, when you're looking at rookies in minicamp, you just want to say, all right, is anybody completely over their skis? Is anybody bad? Is anybody in bad shape? Is anybody right. completely out of place? Um, and that was decidedly not the case for Trey Lance, right? Like, he was very clearly the best player on the field, not only because he was a quarterback, but it's like the number three pick, 6'4", 225 pounds, really athletic, strong arm guy. Like, that guy's obviously going to stand out. And he did. And so it was... You know, he, it was a situation where it was the very first practice. Um, the, the Niners had, they, they have two practice fields. And since COVID, 
since the pandemic began and media members have watched practice, we've been relegated to one side of the field. Whereas under normal circumstances, we could walk to either side and sort of have a close up view of what's happening on the practice field. But so we're still limited to the one side and they practiced on the opposite side of the field. Um, so we're probably 70 yards away the entire time. And there were some discrepancies and, you know, what was the completion? What, what was, what was incomplete? Um, I think I, I saw, you know, I had 18 of 22 completions. I saw people have 20 of 24. I think Mayoko had 19 of 24. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a disconnect, but it was a lot of checkdowns, a lot of, um, going through your progressions. All right. Hit your check down the running back out of the backfield. He threw to his tight end a lot. He probably threw to his receivers the fewest amount of times. And that's not entirely surprising just given it was the first practice and you have a bunch of tryout guys and it, it wasn't, you know, there's not a whole lot of chemistry to be had on the first mini camp practice, right? So what you saw from Trey Lance was very deliberate. It was him going through his reads, him being really comfortable with his checkdowns. Um, operationally, I only saw one time where he took the play call from Kyle Shanahan. Something got jumbled in the huddle and they had to rehuddle. And maybe I missed, maybe I missed that happening more times, but I only saw it happen once, which is a good sign. Um, what Trey Lance does, I think pretty well. And again, it was deliberate and there was no pass rush. So, you know, take this for whatever it's worth. But he ties his feet well to where he's looking to pass, right? So as he's going through his reads, if his first read is to the right, his feet are aligned to the right and he's ready to throw. If his second read is to the left flat, he's able to flip his body get his feet in line to throw to the left flat. If his third reads the left seam, then he can flip his flip his feet and, and get a line to make that throw. So he's very good at tying his feet to his eyes, which is a thing quarterback people really look for. Um, and again, this was deliberate, but it was uh, it was just encouraging because it seemed like he knew what his progressions were. Um, he knew where to go with the ball he generally went to the right spot like he did complete a lot of passes so he was going to the right spot he was hitting his check down a lot and so again it it's not something where you say oh man i watched trey lance at rookie minicamp and man he's really going to be good right like his physical skills stood out the ball pops out of his hands he's obviously a big guy rumor he has was, it he's big yeah he was he was throwing to the right places there were no rollouts there were no you know there might have been some play action stuff but not a whole lot. And it was, you know, I think the Niners deliberately gave us access to the first practice and not the last practice. Um, so, you know, a lot could have changed from, from Saturday and Sunday compared to Friday. Uh, cause it was a three day mini camp, obviously. So, you know, I don't have any sweeping, uh, sweeping takes to come out of that practice when it comes to Trey Lance, other than to say, he definitely wasn't over his skis. He looks like he belongs. And I think ultimately there was nothing I saw that made me think, man, this is this is really going to be an uphill battle for him to compete with Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I still think that Trey Lance is going to have a very, very decent chance to very, very decent. That's that's a terrible way of phrasing it. But a, a decent chance. Extremely decent. <laughs> so goddamn decent. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to have a, a chance to to compete with Jimmy Garoppolo for the starting job. And, and I thought that going in, nothing 
that I saw in the practice field really changed that for me. Sounds um, like but I think bias. it was, you know, it was just encouraging the fact that he looked like he belonged and he wasn't completely underwater in in his first uh, his first right. minicamp action. Just given the fact that he did only have one game in 2020, that he did come from an FCS level, it was like he he does look like he belongs. And so I think that's that's ultimately the biggest takeaway. And and we'll see more hopefully if we get. I think we're we're going not this week, um, but I think phase three. Um, and then going into June and, and the, the mandatory stuff, we'll, we'll have access to and we'll, we'll get more of a, uh, we'll have more data points. <laughs> and more of a, dude, the more, more data points, the better. Yeah, more of a sample size of Trey Lance on the practice field, potentially sure. behind an offensive line. Um, but no, there, there were no, there were no big takeaways from, from rookie minicamp. It was very much a, a rookie minicamp practice that was pared down to just 23 players on the field. So. One of the things you just talked about was tying the feet to the throw and, and John Beck, who helped coach Trey Lance and get him ready for his pro days and get him ready to play for Kyle Shanahan, it turns out. I produce a radio show out here in the Bay Area. Um, I think I might have mentioned it before, but I produced a midday show at 95.7 The Game and we had John Beck on both before the draft and after. And when we talked about Trey Lance, specifically he talked about that tying the feet to the throw Mm -hmm. and he talked about the importance of that just in quarterbacks in general before the draft because he didn't really talk about anybody excuse me he didn't really talk about anybody specifically before the draft but after he talked about how that's something that Trey Lance is really good at and how important that is and I think that that is something that Jimmy Garoppolo is not necessarily very good at. And it's how you get those weird interceptions where he's got his feet planted and he's just throwing all upper body, trying to get the ball like out of bounds in the Super Bowl, and it gets intercepted right. because he's not moving his feet. So I think that's a really important thing that I that I just wanted to highlight that you brought up because I think it's something that's going to continue to be kind of a kind of a thing during during camp whether it's phrased that way or not i just think some of the things that he's going to do really well are because of his ability to do exactly that thing yeah and it it goes back to you remember like when we were i think it was either like right before the draft or after it talking about what dan orlovsky said on nfl live when he showed trey lance going through progressions and being able to um to move his body according to his read like Dan Orlovsky called that sort of his superpower, right? Mm-hmm. Trey Lance's ability to, to make progressions and then make sure his body's in the right position to deliver an on-target throw no matter where his target is. And so I, I think that's one of the things you hear Kyle Shanahan talk about sort of the natural feel that Trey Lance has. I think that's that's one of the biggest things aside from just, you know, his arm talent. It's just his ability to to make sure his his body is doing the right thing so he can deliver an accurate pass um, just based on his reach. So that was really, to me, that was the biggest thing I took away. And just the fact he was he was efficient and he was generally getting the ball to the right place, it seemed like. So um, there was a, another thing, too, that, that I thought was really telling. And this didn't really have anything to do with Trey Lance at practice specifically. But, like, during warm-ups, Trey Lance is with um, Rich Scangarello, the quarterback's coach, and um, and Kevin, I think his name's Kevin Slowick. 
um, I should double check that, but the, the, the passing game coordinator's last name is Slowick and he was there working out with him. Um, or not working, you know, uh, help coaching him up through minicamp. And Kyle Shanahan was very much hands off. Like Kyle Shanahan is not really, uh, at least on the practice field, he's not like stuck to Trey Lance and in Trey Lance's ear. He, he's on the other side of the field. He's watching defensive drills. He's watching special team stuff happen. Um, so he's not, it seems like it, say it again. Bobby Slowick. Bobby Slowick. My apologies to Bobby. Um, It seems like Kyle Shanahan trusts that one Trey Lance can learn. Like Kyle Shanahan isn't micromanaging Trey Lance, I guess. And there was one portion of practice where like Adam Peters, John Lynch, and Kyle Shanahan were all sort of on the sideline in between the two practice fields, just sort of like laughing uproariously. Like just someone told a really funny joke and everybody's like, busting up laughing and it, and it just sort of spoke to how at ease the coaching staff is right like they're not they don't view this as a super stressful situation with even though they have one of the more interesting quarterback dynamics in the NFL right now and given that they're a team with you know quote unquote super bowl aspirations it wasn't like a high stress environment like we got to get this guy up to speed we, right. he's, he's obviously a huge project like it was kind of hands off from Kyle Shanahan's perspective and he's calling the plays and talking with Trey Lance during team drills but just during the individual stuff Shanahan is not um is not micromanaging the quarterback situation and everybody just seemed really relaxed and sort of at ease he was and, Shanahan's off r- sure it, you could definitely say it, say it that way but the the point is is that like they're not worried so much about Trey Lance and, and his ability to learn the offense and all that. I think that ultimately with what they learned from him. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, or about him leading up to the draft his work on the whiteboard, his ability to break down film and, and all of those things. I think the Niners are very confident in, in just what he does mentally. Um, so I, I think, you know, that was, that was an interesting thing for me, maybe more interesting than what he, what we even saw from Trey Lance. Just the fact that like Shanahan just seems chill, <laughs> you know, like everybody seems <laughs> really happy with the pick. And they're not at all worried about micromanaging him during during rookie minicamp, which I think is a sign that um, you know they trust him to to learn the offense and and they like the trajectory he's on. 
The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. And I think just based on everything you just said about rookie minicamp, I think that's that's like the best case scenario coming out. It's just like all right, next step. Like there wasn't anything notable, really. And I think in that kind yeah. of scenario, no news is is kind of good news. Was there anything else non Trey Lance related that that you noticed out of the the twenty three players? Um, so Aaron Banks is big. Wow, the, confirmed. The rumors were okay. true. The three hundred twenty five pound guard they drafted in the second round, very big guy. Okay. Um, I don't. I it's the Banks thing is still interesting to me because I am I'm very curious about his fit and whether or not. His, I I guess, more traditional style in terms of guard. Like, I don't know if he's going to be able to do all the reach blocks that they typically like to do in the outside zone stuff. Mm, And I don't know what that means in terms of adjustments they're going to have to make. One thing I did hear was that Lakin Tomlinson was sort of similar when he first came to the 49ers and that they thought he would be better off as a gap scheme guy, a power, a power blocking guard who might not necessarily be good in space, but Tomlinson has sort of adjusted and become that type of player, right? A guy who does excel in outside zone. And so I think it would take sort of a similar transformation from Banks. And I don't know if that just means, you know, honing his technique or dropping weight and, and just getting quicker. But I, I think, you know, it's it's it was an interesting pick because you don't necessarily uh, see – like the seamless fit in terms of all the mobility stuff and all the outside zone stuff. So I'm curious to see how that's going to shake out. He didn't, he didn't get on the field for seven on seven drills, but that's just something I've heard about banks. Um, Diamador Lenore is an interesting player. He looks like he could come in and contribute hmm. uh, right away. I know like he defensively? had that. Say it again. Like defensively. Or on just, like, special teams? Yeah, and... I mean, he could be, like, I, if he came in and was, you know, DJ Reed, like, played on special teams and then, you know, could fill in at corner outside or inside, like, I, I that that wouldn't surprise me. He's a, he's a feisty player. He's played a lot of football. He's definitely not lacking confidence. So he had that interception that's kind of gone viral, or I don't know if it went viral technically, but it's it's made the rounds on uh, on social media. And I do find it funny that somehow all 22 tape from practice field is, has made its way on a social media. I'm guessing that that's going to be the last time that happens because that's, it, not, how is, that's how not, is not something that, that coaches generally like. Um, I have no idea how that leaked onto, uh, onto the internet, but it was, you've probably seen it, but it's, it's Lenore intercepting Trey Lance, um, trying to throw to Austin Watkins in a one-on-one drill. And the one-on-one drills, you can say like, Oh, Trey Lance threw a pick. Like, yeah, he did, but it was like, it's a one-on-one drill. He's throwing to the guy once he comes out of his break. And Watkins came out of his break. Lenore dominated the rep, sort of, you know, bodied him up, stepped in front of him and made a good catch. 
for the pick. So I wouldn't read into it too much from Trey Lance's perspective because it's one of those things like you have to throw it. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, he wasn't open. I'm not throwing in his <laughs> one-on-one drill. Yeah, you don't just eat the ball on one-on-one drills. So um, Lenore's interesting. I think Ambry Thomas is a little bit rusty after not playing last year. Um, so, you know, it was just his first minicamp practice. He didn't take a whole lot of reps. He was actually, I think he was behind um, Adonis Alexander, who was a tryout player from Virginia Tech, a really mm. tall guy. But Adonis Alexander was was getting, you know, the first team work over Ambry Thomas, at least early on on Friday. And I just think it was a, it, it was because Thomas might be a little bit rusty, might be rounding himself back into football shape. Sure. Um, so, yeah, looking at the uh, Talanoa Hufanga had a uh, – he had an interception in one-on-one drill. Uh, sorry, I said – I think I said Tal – yeah, Talanoa Hufanga. I, I'm yeah. – I'm struggling with his name because I've I've got I've gotten the L and the N mixed up quite a few times. Sure, but he made an interception during um, one-on-one drills, which looked good. I know he broke up another pass. Elijah Mitchell, the running back, I think is going to be a contributor um, from from very early hmm. on. Like Interesting. If, I think it like it wouldn't surprise me at all if if all you know if they have four halfbacks up on game days. Um, and Mitchell is is contributing. I can see Raheem Mostert being the starter, Trey Sermon being the the more physical guy. Maybe um, Jeff Wilson Jr. is part of that too. But obviously, you, you draft Trey Sermon where you did. You're going to play him a lot. Um, and then Mitchell, what I mean, he was you know he was catching a lot of passes out of the backfield. What what was most impressive, or the most impressive thing I saw him do was just burn um, a linebacker. I think it was one of the undrafted guys. In a one-on-one drill on a wheel route, caught a deep pass, um, and and you know burned the guy pretty easily. So he does have good speed. I don't know if the four-three-one or whatever he he was clocked running at his pro day. I don't know if he's going to run that because I think he's going to be closer to two ten, two hundred fifteen pounds. But he's a fast like his speed is an asset for sure. He's not. I don't think he's Matt Breida, but I, I think he's fast. But he's. I think he is going to have a role on offense. So that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. But no, other than that, like, I think, you know, one thing I have heard about Austin Watkins, who, you know, he struggled in the practice a little bit. Uh, he allowed Lenore to, to sort of make that interception and beat him in that one-on-one rep. He dropped a pass earlier too. But one thing I've heard about Watkins is that he's going to be better when the pads are on. And he would probably be a much better player, like in preseason games than in training camp. Um, oh, that's interesting. Because that's just sort of the player he is. Now, I don't know, you know, I we'll see. That's that's just something I've heard about him. Um, but, you know, there's there's certainly an opportunity. We talked about Marquise Lee and just the dearth of, of you know, solidified answers at the back end of the receiving core. I mean, Watkins could be that type of player that, you know, isn't really great in camp, but just when when the lights come on and, uh, you know, the preseason games are happening, he could get a guy that plays himself onto the roster in those games. So, you know, I, I tend not to buy too much or, you know, to read too much into preseason games, but there are players like that that are better in games than in practice. And as important Jimmy as Garoppolo. training camp. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo being a – an example, Colin Kaepernick was not a particularly good practice player either, but he was, he played better in games for sure. Um, 
but yeah, Watkins is going to be somebody who's interesting. I, I would watch him in the preseason because, you know, when, as long as it's like shells and shorts and stuff, I, he, you can't really play your game if you're a super physical, um, right. you know, tough minded receiver. But once, once the pads do come on, um, maybe that changes, uh, but we'll have to see. But I, that, that was, you know, I know Watkins didn't have a great practice, but that's one thing I heard about him and, and he might struggle early on, but it could be that, um, you know, he, it, it's still, it's still very much possible that he, that he, you know, maybe a year or two down the line assumes sort of that role that Kendrick Bourne had as that third or fourth guy, um, who ends up making the team and contributing despite going undrafted. Let's real quick before we get out of here, there's a couple things. Uh, one more thing I want to get to, I guess. So the 49ers players reported for voluntary OTAs today. There was, we're recording this Monday. There was some speculation that, uh, not a lot of players would show up. I shouldn't say speculation. There were questions about how many players would show up. Typically, it's one of those voluntary things that's not entirely voluntary. Like, it's voluntary, but if a player doesn't show up, it's a news story. Yeah. Or if a significant player yeah. doesn't show up, it's a news story. So it's voluntary, but only uh, in name, really. Um, 80-plus players showed up, according to Matt Mayoko from NBC Sports. And the Sacramento Bee. And the Sacramento Bee. Sorry, I just I went to the first one. Independently reported. Independently reported. All right. You know what? Fine. Here we go. We're just, no, keep, keep all this in. Uh, the Sacramento Bee, the prestigious newspaper, the Sacramento Bee, subscribe now if you haven't, sacbee.com slash 49ers. Chris just so happens to work there. Full disclosure. He's the beat writer for the 49ers. The Sacramento Bee also reported, check that, reported that more than 80 players showed up to report for OTAs on Monday. Matt Mayoker from NBC Sports also reported that more than 80 players showed up uh, for voluntary OTAs. So now that we've belabored that bit, uh, <laughs> what what I. Do, is there is there is there anything to take away from that? Is there there because there was the statement from each team that said they were going to be boycotting and because of COVID nineteen protocols and this and that, but it doesn't look like the Forty Nine ers said too many players follow that. Yeah, I think a lot of guys want to be back. Like right. the, I think there's some tangible excitement about the season because the team thinks it can be good. Um. I think a lot of guys really hated how last season went, so they're eager to, to you know, get back into it. Super and, you know, eager. there's there's the monetary component of, you know, like six-figure bonuses for just showing up. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo showed up. I think he's due to make 600 k for, for being here for a few weeks. Um, I think George Kittle's bonus is 100 k Eric Armstead's uh, Jimmy Ward. I think all those guys are sort of in the same boat. But, no, it was – you know, it was more than I thought. Like, if it was 30 or 40 guys, I, I wouldn't have necessarily been surprised. But but seeing, you know, the estimate be about 80, I think you, you know, if you're the coaching staff, you got to be thrilled, right? Because this is voluntary. There was so much talk, especially from the PA side, about guys not showing up. But, you know, there's an element of, 
a lot of fringe roster guys want to make good impressions. There's a per diem involved in, you know, there's, so there is a financial component. Like these guys are battling for their livelihoods. So, you know, not, not all of them have big seven, eight figure contracts where they can afford not to show up. Um, so, you know, these guys want to be in the good graces of the coaching staff and, and want to, you know, hit the ground running when it comes to training camp, because the last thing you want to happen in training camp is, is fall behind early on and have to play catch up the whole time, because that could potentially cost you your job. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that there are so many guys there to me just indicates sort of the optimism uh, that, that people have for the season, the, the bad taste last season left um, in a, in a lot of the guys mouths. Um, and so, you know, it, it's it's certainly not a bad thing. Um, right. So we'll have to see. I, You know, we, we aren't able to take attendance, you know, because we're not at these practices. And like I said, we probably won't be there um, to watch practice and see who's there and who isn't until next week at the earliest. Um, so, you know, I, I haven't seen Trent Williams on social media. Uh, I would assume he's one of the guys who's not there. Uh, Nick Bosa, I'd probably put in the same boat because he's still rehabbing. Um, you know, but you, the, the veterans you did see, uh, George Kittle, Fred Warner, Jimmy Garoppolo, Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, um, Debo, Debo Samuel. Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. Um, I think McGlinchey's been there basically the entire offseason, so I, I'd be shocked if he wasn't there. <laughs> just leaves? <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, yeah, it's voluntary. I don't need it. I'm out. Um, the rookies, uh, I'm assuming everybody who was at rookie minicamp, or at least the draftees and the undrafted guys are still there. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's a good thing. I, I think that's, you know, based on what I've, what I've read on the internet today, it seems like that's kind of a theme throughout the league in that the NFLPA doesn't want guys working out and risking a Juwan James situation where they get hurt, um, you know, away from practice and then the team cuts them because they're not on, the team doesn't have to pay players who get hurt away from the practice facility. Um, so that's one thing that, you know, if guys are working out and they're going to be working out anyway, I think they would much rather have the protection of being like, all right, if I work out the, at the facility and I get hurt at the facility, I'm still guaranteed a little bit of cash from the team. Whereas, you know, you could have basically your contract voided if you get hurt away from the practice field, which is basically what happened with Juwan James and, and the Broncos when they tore his Achilles. And it basically cost him $10 million dollars. Um, they released him and, and that's, that's a, that's an ugly situation. So I think, you know, players probably do want to avoid something like that, right? Like if they're going to work out, they might as well do it where if they get hurt, they'll still, they'll still have some money guaranteed their way. So, um, but yeah, ultimately it's, it's a good thing that the 49ers have had, uh, so many guys show up and, um, you know, I, I, there isn't really a downside unless, you're worried about wear and tear and all that. But I mean, the thing is, is like, you know, they, they didn't have an off season program last year. A lot of guys talked about, you know, training camp being a little bit abbreviated. They weren't able to get in, in as good of shape as perhaps they normally would have been in under normal circumstances with the way things went last year. Um, so maybe they, they just want to get the physical stuff be, you know, just have, 
have your body calloused a little bit, I guess, um, yeah. leading into training camp and all that. So it's it's uh, it's definitely a good thing that that all those guys are there from a 49ers perspective. We talked about how it's hard to take things away from rookie minicamp because it's so it, – it's a small, not enough data points. There's 23 <laughs> players on the field. What can we look for – when you're when you're at one of these practices, are you will, will you guys will any of these be open to media? Yeah. So starting next week, I think we're going to get one a week until okay. the mandatory session in June, and I believe right. the mandatory session in June will get access to all three practices. Okay. So when you're there, what are you kind of looking for? Like what when? When fans are reading about these voluntary OTAs, what what kind of stuff can can we can can we expect to kind of see from from you guys on site? Yeah, I mean it's hard because we're watching field level, so we right. obviously don't have the great view. Um, some of the practices, like we said, like the team drills are all happening seventy yards away, um, and we're blocked by players on the sideline, but. I mean, what you what you're looking for? The quarterback stuff is kind of easy. Like, all right, is is he hitting guys? Is are guys dropping passes? Um, you can sort of you know make generalizations about receivers, running backs. Um, you could look in one on one drills and see, you know, is there a defensive lineman that's really making it hard on on the offensive line, or is there a guy on the offensive line who's just not getting beat at all? Um, are there guys in one-on-one drills that are just impossible to cover? Uh, are there, you know, cornerbacks or linebackers or safeties in one-on-one drills that are doing really well? Um, you know, you can, you can sort of see all of that stuff, but again, it's, it's not like, it's just very different from a game, right? And like, we mm-hmm. don't know exactly what techniques certain guys are working on in certain instances, right? So if, a guy could be coached to say or to be like, hey, you're going to have help on the inside, so play with outside leverage. And then in the one-on-one drill, it's a slant to the inside, the cornerback's out of position. And then, you know, we might say, based on what we saw, like, oh, this guy just got burned. Well, it was like, really, he was playing outside leverage and allowing the guy to go inside. And that was part of the rep. So it's that's just an example of, like, it's just hard to know without knowing exactly what the assignments are. But if a guy can't stay on his feet, if a guy's getting burned all the time, if the defensive line in, you know, full team drills is, is moving or moving the offensive line backwards, you can figure that out pretty easily. If, um, you know, I think the hardest thing in team drills is to, is really to evaluate the running game because, you know, there's no tackling. So they'll, it's kind of like watching, you know, I equate training camp to like watching warmups and games. If you go to games and just watch the team warm up, it's 11 on 11 and they're doing things, but like nobody's tackling anybody. There isn't really a whole lot of hitting. There's some quote unquote thudding up and stuff like that, but it's, it's a little bit hard from the sideline to see like, all right, was that a successful running play or did they just kind of let him go because there is no tackling allowed? Some of that can be a little bit difficult. Um, but really the hard part about training camp is there's so much stuff happening at once that it can be, it can be tough to like have a gauge on what's happening the entire field, like on the entire field. Right. So, um, but in terms of mini camp, like, you know, is somebody getting yelled at by the coaching staff? Is somebody super out of shape? Is a rookie getting reps with the starters that is, is unexpected. 
Um, are they shuffling guys along the offensive line? Um, you know, there, there are a bunch of different things like who's, who's getting work, uh, with the first special teams group mm. is usually pretty telling. Um, you can generally make some assumptions based on, you know, like 53 man roster projections, like which guys are, are sort of mainstays on, you know, punt, punt plays and punt returns and kickoff coverage and all that stuff. You could sort of start to glean information from that. Um, but it's tough, man. It's not, it's not actual football there. I don't think they're going to be in pads at all until training camp. So, you know, talking about Austin Watkins and a guy who plays with physicality and who's better with the pads on is it's going to be tougher to evaluate him, right? If he's just wearing right. shorts and shells. And so there are guys like that. And, um, but it is tough, but yeah, I, I think attendance is going to be important. Injuries always are, are things you look out for this time of year, obviously where guys are getting used. Um, but in terms of like play by play and completion rates and all that stuff, I, I would not read too much into it, even though I'm kind of a hypocrite because I'm going to write about a, a bunch of that stuff because of course. we just want to try to provide as clear a picture of, as, as possible. Um, you know, for the readers, because one, one of the things that gets read the most is like coverage from practice and what's exactly happening. So, um, I think the big thing with the quarterbacks is going to be just rep count, right? Like how many reps is Jimmy getting versus Trey? Sure. Um, is Trey Lance getting a bunch of run with the starters? Is Trey Lance going to start out as the number two guy or, you know, is Nate Sudfeld going to be the number two guy in the first week? Um, that's very possible, right? Well, like, they they guaranteed some money in his contract, right? So I imagine he'll probably be the number two guy right away. <laughs> um, I mean, that stuff happens though, just just because you know you you have to make rookies earn it. Even though it's clear Trey Lance is eventually going to be the starter, he very well could be the third string quarterback when you know when the first full full team workout happens that we're able to watch next week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's possible. I'm not like I, like I said, I don't I don't know for sure. Um, but yeah, the, the off season stuff is tough because there's not like, there are very few things I remember about past off seasons or off season mini camp, like developments aside from injuries, right? Like there's, you know, I remember Drake Greenlaw was making plays as a rookie, like throughout his off season program. And so that was is something it... I, I wrote about. And then he ended up having a really good rookie year, right? It's so one sometimes of those there are situations like that, but it's not often. Well, and it's one of those things, it's kind of like you're using this to inform what you're watching for in training camp, right? Yeah. Like, if there is a, let's say it's Justin Hilliard, the undrafted rookie linebacker from Ohio State. Let's say he's flying around in in OTAs. You're going to have just kind of a little extra spotlight on him in training camp and see if that kind of translates, right? Yeah. Because... Totally. When I was a, I'll never forget, there is, uh, a running back from Cal named Kalfani Muhammad. And he was either a, I think a seventh round pick with the Titans. When I was, when I was a Titans wire, he's a seventh round picker and undrafted guy. He's a late, late pick. And in OTAs, he was all over the place. Like just nobody could touch him. Every beat writer on on site was talking about, wow, Kalfani Muhammad is really, you know, making making waves, da 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 disappeared in training camp. 
like never heard from the guy again. Yeah. So that's what that's one of those uh it's take 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 OTAs like with a grain of salt, but it's also not meaningless. Yeah. Yeah. And well, like I said, I'm excited we'll, for in-person OTAs. Yeah. It'll be it'll be much more helpful to to go out there and see. Like, okay, here's another one. Like we've assumed that Aaron Banks is going to compete for the starting right guard mm, spot. Yeah. Like, where is he when the first team lines up next week? Like, is that going to be Daniel Brunskill? There's a very good chance it's Daniel Brunskill. Right. Um, but then Banks ends up winning the job in training camp, I think is. But so there's there's just sort of a progression that you see these guys go through. And, like, I mentioned the injury stuff. Like, you know, 2019, the only thing I remember about the offseason program was the fact that Nick Bosa got hurt, um, you know, during OTAs. And he had the hamstring issue. And then his very first training camp practice, he had an ankle sprain. Uh, but then he played in all 19 games. Or all, uh, was it 19? 16? Yeah, all 19 games that year. Mm-hmm. So, um, just the the injury stuff is really, like, what what's memorable right now. Um, I guess Matt Breida, like, looked pretty good um, in OTAs. I think I was a little slow to catch on to the Matt Breida thing until training camp. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's like you said, I think you put it well when you said that it's basically a preview for training camp and that's, that's probably the way it should be consumed in that like, all right, now that the OTAs have happened, that's sort of the starting point for training camp. And now we can, now we can see how training camp develops once practices get more intense, once guys are wearing pads and all that stuff. Right. You got anything else for us? I do not. I cannot believe I just rambled for 50 minutes about this is great mini camp and OTAs and all that. But we did it. There will be no more informed fan base for the off season this year than 49ers fans. Chances are high. This is going to be a very well covered team, not only by us but everybody else does a does a really good job of covering this team. I agree. Um, and they're fat. Like they're fascinating. <laughs> Like just from a just from a pure football perspective, yeah, Niners are just a really interesting most, team. Yeah, there. I just don't remember any team that. I mean, I know last year was six and ten and a disaster, but you know, a team that like, well, they they might be one of the best teams and one of the best divisions in football, but also, who's going to be their quarterback? Like that's that's yeah. not a conversation and, that ever happens. And there's a there's a chance their quarterback is the number three overall pick who they traded three first round picks to go get. Right. It's who a started, very who started seventeen FCS games. Yeah. They're they're super interesting. So yeah. And I'm glad that in person OTAs are back. All right, download, subscribe, rate, review, do all that if you have not already. We're gonna have a couple more pods this week. Uh, we are going to have, we're going to rank the quarterbacks the 49ers are playing against this year. I did a post about this at NinersWire.com, but I'm interested to get Chris's thoughts. And then we're going to have Doug Farrar from the NFL Wire, from TouchdownWire.com. Uh, really, really smart football guy. I'm excited to talk to him about those rankings. So we will be doing that with him this week. And then we're working on, I think, another podcast. So offseason... Uh, uh, yeah, working on another guest. Uh, off season for sure, but we're still gonna bring you plenty of content. And like I said, making sure that, that you're staying informed kind of year round and not just during the season. So thanks everybody 
for listening now and for listening into the future, and we will see you next time.